Have you ever been diagnosed with an illness and didn't know how to heal and move forward? In today's episode, our special guest, Andrea Mason, shares that we must feel the feelings, especially when our physical health is compromised. She shares her journey on how emotions can manifest as disease and pain in our bodies and how she became a survivor. Stay tuned to her inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me. And joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world. And they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them. And the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, feel free to connect with me with all the social media links that are there like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and even LinkedIn. And today we have the amazing Andrea Mason. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you, Shay, for having me here. It's an amazing opportunity and I'm so happy and excited to share this amazing event with you. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And I'm trying to remember, we got connected through a Les Brown Facebook group. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Mr. Les Brown, I had conducted and accomplished actually to this date is my graduation alumni day, December 9th, 2020. Yay. Congratulations. Amazing journey. Thank you. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Yes. And did I say your, pronounce your name correctly? Yes. Yes, you did. Andrea. 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 Okay. Yes. Perfect. So for those of you who don't know, Andrea Mason is the CEO of Press Play, Plan Life According to You. She has over two decades of experience in personal development in social work and psychology. She is a certified as a global motivational speaker under the mentorship of Mr. Les Brown, like we just talked about. She is a certified small business entrepreneur, certified professional organizer, and your accountability coach. She is the creator and innovator of the life transformation journey called Play. It she has it as plan life according to you as you her personality as a personal accountability coach, where you can achieve personal freedom through the healing power of forgiveness. Goodness, Andrea, there's so much amazingness to jump in. So I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Yes, amazing question. Investing in people is giving your 
time to an individual. What do I mean by that? Being present. Every day in life, we are a gift to one another, whether it be that of an ear to listen, a shoulder to cry on, a hand to hold, or just that warm, embracing hug of nurturance. Investing in people is taking the time to learn about them, to understand them, to effectively communicate and listen. Unfortunately, nowadays, people just want to speak to say what they have to say. And some people are seen and not heard. And when you fully invest in someone, that's when you go all in with every single fiber of your body to learn about them, to empathize with them, to understand them, and to have a better understanding about their story. See, when we're younger, our story is told to us. But at one point in our life, we must hold the pen and write our own story. I love that answer. And you have such a, a beautiful, beautiful um, way of speaking it into existence, right? How we use our whole body to go all in to invest in another person, because it's really about getting to know them, getting being there for them. So I'm just, you know, what, just by listening to you, it has me curious to know if there was someone who went all in and invested in you. Yes, Shay, there was. And that is that of my parents, most importantly, my mother. See, I was born under the war-torn drug zone era at its prime in Colombia, South America during the cartel. My parents had to give me up for adoption for they weren't able to care for me, let alone themselves. And they had placed me on a plane and I arrived in the open arms, unconditional love of my parents, weighing in at 11 pounds at 11 months. That's a pound per month. And my parents always instilled in me, Andrea, no matter what you do, do what you love, do it your best, and do it with passion. See, my mother was a woman of selflessness. She went all in in everybody that she came in contact, a woman of genuine enlightenment, a woman of sincerity, passion, purity, and saw the good in everyone. And as my dad was a successful hard businessman in Wall Street, my family would always welcome people in with the open arms. They saw individuals beyond their labels, beyond their stigmatisms, beyond the surface. And that's what's instilled in me, especially as an adoptee, having no Record, medical records, imageries, knowledge of my, my biological parents. And so I learned to look deep within the individual, effective body language when I communicate with people, making sure that I maintain eye contact, effective listening, that I'm hearing the experiences behind their stories, and effective communication, making sure I'm relatable and I can resonate with their needs, wants, dreams, and goals. And so the individual that has invested everything and went all in on me has been my mother. She has dedicated her life beyond measures to make sure that our family did what we need. And alongside my father to keep him humble and hardworking. So successfully, the both of them can enjoy the journey of life at the age of 55 to retire and give our family nothing but the best. Beautiful. What a what a testament to your your parents. That's beautiful. And you said a war-torn country. What country, if you don't mind sharing? 
Yes, it was that of Colombia, South America during the cartel. The, I, I still kind of shun, and it was just announced to me that I never understood why I would shiver and shun during electrical thunderstorms and lightning. But when you look at the records of the timeline when I was there, that was a time of war, drugs, explosives, and the cartel. So subliminally, I was natured and nurtured with those sounds and sights. So what? So then you came to this country, into the United States. So going forward, what really motivated you? What prompted you to really, you know, go even further and go into the personal development space and really want to invest in other people? Excellent question. At the age of seven, my parents were very transparent. They always spoke to us as we were adults, not demean us or talk to us like we were kidding because they always saw the fullest potential in us. And when I found out that I was adopted at the age of seven, to them, it was a treasure. To me, I, had unknow- I wasn't aware that it was going to be a tragedy the rest of my life. Mm. If I didn't, if my own parents didn't want me, remember conceptualizing at a seven-year-old mind thing, how am I going to love somebody else? How am I going to love myself? And these were the underlying threads of abandonment, isolation, neglect, which then unfortunately consumed me and allowed me to be bullied, thrown into trash cans, shoved into lockers, Mm. outcasted from my peers, and a victim of all types of abuse from trauma, sexual, physical, medical, emotional. And the only safe haven was that of the, the comfort of my home, of my parents. And as they had mentioned before, they were successful business workers, businessmen and women in Wall Street. I've had the nurturance of my grandparents comforting me on the couch, telling me that it was going to be okay, that better days were coming. So that's kind of what propelled me to say, all right, I want to go into the industries of social work and psychology. Social work to learn the different cultural diversities of individuals, lifestyles, creeds, morals, ethics, and values, and perspectives, and dabble into psychology which allows me to understand the science behind why we do what we do and why we don't do what we do. Mm. The nurturance or lack thereof, the nature or lack thereof in upbringing. During infantry to young childhood, whatever happens to us at a yearly age becomes our subliminal subconscious and fears instill of our subconscious fears. And then the next latter seven years of your life up until the age of seven is where nurturance and nature kicks in. And I propelled and dedicated my homage to work in those two industries to understand and help those in the darkness, the voices that are unheard, that wipe away the tears of the stigmatisms and isolation and banishment from their families. And when I walked into meeting with an individual, I put the clipboards aside. I met them eye to eye where they were at and got a better understanding of who they were. You know, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. It's just so fascinating that, you know, at seven here, you were probably, you know, passed around, I'll say, to social workers to be able to go through the, the transition of adoption at that age, right? 
And then you became one because you saw, you know, the, the meaning and the purpose behind being a social worker. What a, what a testament to, to your life instead of making it your, you know, you could have been bitter. Like a lot of people have their tragedies, their traumas make them bitter. You decided to make it better. And truth be told, it wasn't easy. I just kind of came to the realization through the toughest times, miracles are made. Through trials and tribulations, triumphs are won. And as my, my mentor, Mr. Les Brown says, ask yourself this question. In life, are you going through it or are you growing through it? Mm-hmm. That really resonated with me because that's what I've done my whole life. You know, I've gotten shunned. I've gotten by workers or staff, colleagues, not understanding. And whenever I would express myself, they would question it for when I was younger, seeking attention because my parents weren't around, trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. And I realized this is not how social work and psychology should be played. And even to this day, I speak to some of the former colleagues. And I think when we start educating and empowering our judicial system, our governments, our families, the community as a whole world, mental health is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of lack of intellect. It's a sign of limited knowledge, limited love, and limited experience. For when I met with those individuals from infantry to geriatrics, those on the shelters dropped off at 2.30 a.m. under the age of 10, those who lived on the streets, and those men and women who performed heinous crimes of pedophilia, murder, arsony, I was able to dig deep, look into their eyes and speak to them as as an individual. And although that struck me, struck a chord with the companies I've worked for, I wasn't changing my stripes for anybody else because I was on the other side. I was the recipient as well as the professional. And I made it a, a mission that we change our perspective through knowledge and education and connecting with our brothers and sisters across the waters, across the borders, and globally. And I have learned that upon my journey that we only see a tip of the iceberg of what they may want us to see or are able to see. And it is our choice and due diligence every single day to ask questions, to seek the answers, and to understand. It's fascinating to me, and I say this time and time again, but it's really fascinating to me how our childhood experiences shape our adult decisions. And again, it just goes to, you know, you could have gone through what you went through and really just decided to say, nope, I don't want to go in that field. Nope, I don't want to be better. And so you really, again, took it just another step further And you really realized that from an abandonment childhood state of being, you are now looking at someone who created, committed a horrific crime, but yet you could see in their eyes that little child that was probably had their own abandonment issues. And that's, that's a great point you break up, how you bring up Shay, because one of my most famous, famous 
favorite quotes is that of the Broadway musical Les Miserables. And uh, the message in that at the final, spoiler alert, <laughs> pardon me, is to love another person, is to see the face of God. Mm. And it hasn't been, you know, all easy for me. You know, it was difficult. There was times that I wanted to give up in the schools when I had to selectively choose to eat my lunch in the bathroom stalls, putting my feet up so it wasn't the butt end of the joke or getting bullied. And it's amazing because when we look at those 80s and 90s films, those are real. Those are real individuals. And Mm -hmm. it really struck a chord with me on my journey. I had shared my story of being bullied, how I could have given up. I had to work 10 times harder to get good grades in school because of my limited ability to, to focus, to understand. And at that time, mental health wasn't as prominent as it is now. And I had to really struggle. But those are the scars and ties that bind that make me who I am. And I remember sharing the story and someone in the audience actually commented, you know what? I was the bully. Mm. But I never took a time to realize what it done to individuals, what I've done to human lives. And I politely and civilly said respectfully, well, from now on and to this moment, myself, including the others, I forgive you. Mm. And that person was just floored. It was kind of like liberating because... They didn't realize the damage. And you're right. It does continue because unless we face our past, our past will continue to chase us. And when we don't forgive ourselves, see, forgiveness is is kind of complicated nowadays when it's really simple. Forgiveness in a pride-stricken mindset is giving the permission to the others that what they did was correct and Saying, well, it happened, it's okay, move on. When what we're really saying is, I forgive that individual for the limited lack of knowledge or not really understanding the longevity of their incident or occurrence. But at the most important time, is forgiving ourselves because we are creatures that are our worst own critics and creatures of comfort. And when we don't forgive ourselves for giving permission to allow that to happen and learn from that lesson, an innocent bystander down the road, generations, decades, months, relationships are sabotaged and severed and delicate because we may engage in a business relationship, a friendship, or even a partner. And as soon as we see that trait of that individual We cut them off because we haven't continued to face our past and deal with it. And once we get to the root cause of why we're doing what we're doing, the psychological component, that's when we can only then then evolve. And that's what's most important, achieving personal freedom through the healing power of forgiveness for those losses our lessons, those tragedies can be triumphs down the road. And that's what we must understand. I, uh, too, was uh, bullied. And I, I think we have a choice from that standpoint going forward. 
And I chose to act out. I chose to hurt other people. So hurt people, hurt people. And because they are hurting, right? And so on my healing journey and the forgiveness myself, of myself, I also asked for forgiveness from others because I really saw how I had hurt people and said, you know what? I need to make amends as well. And really started to, started to think about how, well, if now I'm empowered, I wonder if empowered people empower people. And so that's really what you have done by forgiving. You're empowering not only yourself, but when you have that conversation, like with the, 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 the person that came up to you at the speech, you empowered them just by saying, on behalf of everyone else, we forgive you. In a million years, they probably never thought that they even needed to hear that. Or beside themselves. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> so I love that you talk about the power of forgiveness because it is so underrated, undervalued as a society. And there is something so deep and meaningful, not just when you when you say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, but it's, it's way more than that. It's literally forgiving, letting go of that garbage is what I call it. Garbage of that incident that you're holding the grudge for. And myself, I went through this period of time where I was super angry and I didn't even realize how angry I was. And then when I noticed, I'm like, man, I am so angry and I don't know what to do with it. And I was driving to work one day and I had just turned on the radio and a minister had come on. And he, the first thing he said was, do you have a list of people that you're angry at? And I was like, oh my God, that's what I need. I need a list. And so I grabbed a napkin out of my console and unfolded, you know, the, one of those fast food napkins about 12 times. And I grabbed a pen and I just put it on my knee as I'm driving down the road. Thank God you all weren't next to me in the, in the other lanes, but just to have that like aha moment, like I needed to act right then and there because I was like, that's what I need. I need a list. And then several weeks later, cause I was thinking, okay, now I have the list and I know what's next. And I knew that at some point I really needed to forgive each person. So for my journey, I journaled each person out what it was, the incident was, what I wanted to say. And then I said, I asked for forgiveness, not only to them spiritually, like out into the world, but I asked God for forgiveness. And then I, and then the final point is you have to forgive yourself, which you had mentioned. And I think there's just such a, uh, a downplay that we don't talk about that you absolutely have to forgive ourselves in, in allowing and, and, and in choices. Sometimes we don't even know, we don't think we have a choice. And so, you know, just being able to, to be a participant in it. Absolutely. And it will take a toll on you. And I don't think individuals see the severity of that because I do an exercise with, you know, the people I, I connect with and it's just so, it's so liberating. It's so powerful. And I actually did it a couple of times because I was like, yeah, I got it. And then when I did it again, I was just like, well, there's a whole bunch of people I didn't realize. And the reason I bring this up is because suppressed emotions will come to the 
forefront when you least expect it and can take you out. For example, my mother had passed and it wasn't until a few years later, almost a decade, and I didn't realize what was going on. And I was just kind of like, okay, you know, she passed, you know, I hope she's in a better place. She's with me. But for the first two years, I disconnected from my family completely, wholeheartedly. And I was frustrated. I was angry. And then I just let it fester and went about my business. You know, as a woman, you're a nurturer, you're a go-getter, you're a perfectionist. If you have type A personality, as they say it, forget it. You always want to keep going. But what the message I'm bringing to the forefront tonight or today is be mindful of that because it can sneak up on you. Because what happened about maybe seven or eight years later, I was getting my myself prepared, ready for school and work. And I didn't feel quite well. I got to the office and I had difficulty breathing. Make a long story short, less than 24 hours, I was brought on and hooked up to machines on the ICU unit, unable to breathe or use all four limbs. Mm. I was just like, I was fine. What happened? And I remember staying in the hospital for some time and, you know, at, you know, at that time, our son was young, so I only saw my husband a few moments. And I remember the phone call and saying, you know what? We need you home. They're running multiples and multiples of tests, and they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And I remember I got the notification from the doctor stating that he was concerned of myasthenia gravis. For those of you who don't know, that's a complete terminal condition shutdown of your entire autoimmune system and central nervous system. And I remember having a conversation with my husband. He said, we need you home. And for quite some time, we started the journey of unplugging. No TV, no radio, whatever we watched, we chose. We selected what we invested in, not only our mind and body, but also into our space and environment. Make And so... I remembered reading, watching The Secret, and I watched the medical spoiler alert. So I com- I applied that, and the next day they said, "Okay, Andrea, if you are unable to hold down some food and use all four of your limbs, your stay will be until further notice." Mm. I said, "Okay," and so I draped my feet over the. The team came in, draped my feet over the bed, jumped down to my due to my petite stature, and I was able to, for the first time in several days, walk to the nurse's station and back. They came back with the reports, and everything was fine. Mm. And so when you talk about mind over matter, when you talked about suppressed stress and not forgiving yourself those or even our creator, higher self, higher source, what have you, it's suppressed. And as Mr. Bob Proctor says, disease cannot live in a healthy, happy mind. And when you take all of that and, and, and weighs on you, it will take you out if you let it. So that's the message I bring here. Any suppressed, stressed anger from trauma, drama, Get to the root cause, understand it, embrace it, and allow yourself to not only heal, but feel it. A lot of us don't want to feel. We 
just push it aside. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about it. But actually, allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to get angry. Allow yourself to go wild in a safe space, obviously. But that release will set you free. And I encourage each and every one to do that who is going through something, who's listening to this. It's important you take care of yourself because your health is your number one asset. And if you ignore it long enough, then they'll take over. Absolutely. It's so just spot on with what you say. It's it's the emotions that we're unwilling to feel that when we bury them in our bodies, our bodies manifested in disease. And for me, I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And when I let go of all that anger, it was amazing when um, the pain started to dissipate and started to leave my body. So it's fascinating how we have all of these autoimmune issues in the world. And, you know, I always am curious, like, okay, so you have a thyroid issue. So did you, did you not speak your authentic truth at points of your life? You know, that type of thing. So it's, your story is so, is such a powerful one because you're right. There is something in the mind over matter and being able to forgive and feel the feelings. And it was difficult because I did have a pre-existing laundry list of conditions. Osteoporinia. I had seven ulcers that my gallbladder had to be immediately removed in my young age. My appendectomy, I had to get immediately because it was about to burst. Exercise-induced asthma, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, osteoporinia. Uh, You name it. And It wasn't until after that moment when I peeled back the layers and brace yourselves because not a lot of us are going to want to admit it or believe it. This is the onset of ourselves, Mm -hmm. our minds. And if you think about the human body, you get a cut. Yeah, you treat it, but it heals itself. You have the capability and power and will heal yourself if you really want it. And unfortunately, yes, it takes work. Yes, it's easier said than done. And then the cliche, misery loves company. Well, what are you doing about it? Do you understand what your triggers are? Do you understand what your lifestyle is? Not even, let's, let's not even go just as deep as hereditary, but let's go as your exercise, your well-being. What are you entering and putting into your body? into your mind? Are you watching media, the news 24-7? Even if it's background noise, it's still subliminal. Mm -hmm. What are you eating? Are you eating enough? Are you not eating enough? I mean, all of these attributes are intertwined. And when we get to the root cause and look at our habitual rituals, then we will be able and only then to really heal ourselves. For every piece of medication out there, there's a plant for that. For every exercise and body in motion, there's an ability to do that. And I don't think, I think it's easier. Let me rephrase that. I'm very particular with my words. It's all in the efforts. How bad do you want to be healthy? How bad do you want to be happy? 
because you and I know when we pass each other on the street, we say, how are you doing? When we really don't listen or get deep, how are you doing today? It's just a formality. It's a robotic conversation, per se, if you will. But when we tap into our reflection, what are my patterns? What are my triggers? What makes me happy? Let's really tap into that because we have the capability more than we'll ever understand or know to really use to press play, plan life according to you. And I love it so much because it's so jovial. Life is about living, not surviving. Thriving, not striving and struggling. It's what you make of it and believe you, me, every single second of the day, 86,460 seconds of the day, you have a choice to go right, left, up, down, forward, or backward, whether you believe it or not. So is there a a defining moment that you can look back at your life And really just say, you know, I wanted to, I decided, because you're talking about choice, I decided to go in this direction rather than going in a different direction, like in the psychology and social work, rather than, you know, doing something else. Maybe it was, I don't know, like starting a business right away or, you know, going down, you know, maybe even joining the military or something, but you decided to, to go that? Yeah. to go that. Yes. Actually, in right when we were trying to define your moment in the school years, I did want to go in the military. I did want, I had a recruiter come to me and we were ready. And my parents were like, yeah, no, not, it's not going to happen. Mm. And I was like, okay. So then I went into a service to others, which was social work and psychology. But the turning moment was when I started unplugging And then seeing myself in every single patient, candidate, client, consumer that I've worked with. And I've also had a sidestep because on some of the journey and areas of employment, they restructured and I had to, you know, get laid off due to restructuring or separate ways, what have you. And I was just like, okay, what is going on? I'm going all in, but why are these doors closing? And I remember, you know, Matthew McConaughey said in a, in a, in a graduation speech, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, when you start realizing what you don't want to be, that's when you find who you truly are. And so I went through the educational route of director of a school. I went to the route of the medical component in, you know, women's health, then the holistic, the medical. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know I can do more. I know I could be more. But I'm living someone else's dreams with their limitations. I need to do something with why personal experiences. Because I'm connecting with each individual, men, women, youth, elderly, disabled, abled, enabled. And I said, that is when I need to make a difference. And that's unfortunately when the world completely changed in 2020. Mm. And I said, okay, I need to do something here. 
I need to take the pen in my own hand and start writing my story. And as truth be told, that evening, I've always been behind the scenes. I've never been in the front line of anything. I was always the person behind the curtain, per se. And I remember going through it, and I was just like, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? The whole world shut down. Everything is shut. And I came across which I'd never been on, which was ironic. But as Mr. Brown says, coincidence is a God's way of being anonymous. I came across his live. And that's when he said, are you going through it? Or are you growing through it? Here I am over a little bit over a year. And I've actually taken and been transparent about my stories. And I've spoken on every continent. I've spoken and taught people in Africa and Pakistan people on the streets and you've been able to give them a voice of me because I was always trying to dress the part and I didn't like it. I was like, this is, this is not me. I want to do me because I can't fail at that. I was failing, but I was failing forward and learning from my lessons. But then it was like, I need to be me. And when I had that release through Mr. Brown's Academy, when I had that release of talking with him and meeting him and connecting with him and working with him, it was just so liberating because I had nothing to hide anymore. I can connect with every individual on the other side of the screen. You know, they say, wish life came with a manual. Well, it does, but it's just different levels of how you experience neglect how you experienced abuse, how you experienced love. We all have different chapters. But when we connect as you, as I, uh, you and I have, and I learn different perspectives, hey, that person went through, I went through. But they have a different perspective on it. That widens and heightens the awareness and knowledge to the world that there's not one way. We are all authentic. We are all unique. When we learn how to rise and unite, I don't want to say imagine because imagine is hope. And as Jim Carrey says, hope is a beggar. Faith is belief. And I can only wait until that happens. Because when, when we deal with one another from the human component, that's when we're going to be at our greatest. Mm. So also, you know, I know that you're a motivational speaker as well. And so, you know, this, your stories that you have shared with us have definitely had that whole triumph, tra- a tragedy to triumph type of feel to it. So thank you for being willing to be vulnerable and share your story. And so what is next for Andrea Mason? Where do you see yourself going? What do you, what is your plan? What is, how are you pressing, pressing play? What is next for Andrea Mason is building that sturdy bridge to get, to, to bridge the gap from where people are to where they want to need to be. And in doing so, I connect with individuals and I don't dictate. I don't lecture. I listen. I learn. And I love no excuses, just results. And what I'm expanding upon is 
global connections with individuals. If I'm unable to help them on a one-on-one and they're established and doing well, then I'm just opening another door of a resource that they can connect to somebody. Because I truly believe nobody gets, like in the words of of Lilo and Stitch of Disney, nobody gets left behind or forgotten. And I know with when my career was prior to this, if I couldn't help the individual, I was determined to find somebody that can. Because who knows where they fall into the next person. They might not have that moment of perseverance and passion to help that individual. So before I connect with someone or we go a different way for a certain period of time, I make sure that they, I pay it forward. A woman of integrity. If I can't find the answer for you, I'm going to make that bridge to someone who can. And I am also working towards expanding my trainings through schools, through education, because quite honestly, as a parent, I see our youth using a lot of the foundation, basic foundations in the world today. Effective communication, interpersonal skills, effective listening, learning from one another. And when we tap into that realm of allowing them to, my quote, follow the heart and not the herd, nor the hurt, on the other side is success and happiness. And when we see an individual as a parent, guardian, teacher, we don't emulate our dreams upon them. We meet them where they're at and they expand their dreams and walk beside them every step of the way. What do they need to do for the research? What do they need to do to connect and walk in the lives of the dreams that they want to instill to make sure that's the right fit for them? And the sooner the better because we are molding our future generations right now in a two-dimensional world. Living in fear, living in anxiety, the uncertain, the unknown. And to me, that brings me back to the world I was born, not knowing where you're going to be the next day. And although I was only 11 months old, I still remember that. And when we have a sense of love, unconditional love with our children, that the impossible is possible and that their dreams can become a reality that's when we enhance the quality of life for our future i remember a gentleman that i connected with some time ago he fought the utmost battle of the strongest adversity that one can challenge and he always kept telling me the impossible is possible and he shunned a new light on the perspective of the word. He said, I like that word because in front of possible is I. And when you look at yourself, that's when you make a difference. And we were able to successfully have him achieve his goal of running after overcoming adversity six months short of his goal this year. And I'm grateful for Mr. Nelson Beltajar, the positive group.com, for instilling belief in me. 
because somewhere, somehow, there's a light waiting to be shine and shun in your darkness. So be the light to those in need because, quite honestly, someone's listening. Someone's watching. A family member is in need right now. They need to hear your voice. They need to know that you're not alone. And they need to know that anything that they could think of. So if somebody is enjoying this, because I know that they are, this has been an awesome conversation, uh, Andrea. So thank you. How can people connect with you? What's your website? What's your social medias? All, all the things. Yes, ma'am. So absolutely. So as we are all connected in this world, I encourage you to grab your cell phones and type in the email play at gmail.com. And you can find me on the social media platforms of LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And I am just, I think, six short of 400 videos on YouTube now of all levels to all generations, populations, and audiences. And I look forward to connecting from you. And when you do, type in the subject, investing in other people, so I know where you came from. Well, thank you for that. So uh, your website is also andreamasonsplural.com. Correct. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. And uh, your your email again is? A-M as in Mary, andreamason.pressplay at gmail.com. Awesome. And put the the name of the show, The Power of Investing in People in the the subject line. Yes. I didn't know how many characters some subject lines have. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your time, for being here. I know you're super busy and, you know, it's the holiday season. So everybody's super busy. So thank you for taking time to, to, to share your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me, Shay. It's, it's an honor and privilege to be here. And as a woman of integrity, I always pay it forward and always here. My door is always open to connect. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Well, thank you. And I, before you go, I always like to leave with this last question. Oh, what okay. phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? It was instilled from my parents. Follow your heart and not the herd, nor the hurt. Mm, that's beautiful. Follow your heart, not the herd or the, the hurt. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. And I know that you probably took notes because Andre gave, dropped some major knowledge nuggets. So when you do, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up. What does freedom mean to you and why does that matter? I am Jay Lee, host of the Live Free series. And to answer those questions, we are going on a journey with people from all walks of life to discover what it takes to overcome the most significant obstacle on our path, which is our own mind and mindset, and turn it into our greatest asset on our journey to freedom. So join me on the Live Free series as we go on a mission to eradicate enslaved mindsets and to foster freedom.